Please take your Bibles and turn to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus. We'll be looking there in just a minute. Well, happy Thanksgiving weekend to you and yours. I hope you've had a great one. Uh, glad that you're with us today. Uh, we've spent the last few Sundays, uh, if you've been with us, exploring who God is. And if you've not been with us, you kind of know where we've been. But we've been exploring who God is, and we've tried to pare God down to a couple of sermons. And to do that is undoubtedly impossible. It's an exercise in futility. And we actually didn't really try to do that. But what we have tried to do is cover two or three, four of the characteristics that uh, define who God is. And if you uh, remember, we talked, we began with the holiness of God, because where else can you start? We serve a God that is completely and absolutely holy. And then we moved into, um, because God is holy and set apart and He's worthy of awe and reverence. And so we moved into the second week. We talked about uh, God's majesty. And because it's hard to say God is majesty, we just kind of set it on the issue that God is great. In other words, God's majesty is a declaration of his greatness. And we talked about how great he is in terms of he's all-knowing and and ever-present and all-powerful and and everlasting. And then last week we... uh, got into the issue of God's love and how loving and gracious he is. And we looked at the story of the prodigal son, or as we might say, the prodigal father, or the loving father, however you want to look at it. But what we discovered was that God loves us and he wants us, longs for us to come home. And no matter where you've been and no matter what you've done, God, our God, the God of Scripture, waits with open arms for you to come home because he loves you more uh, than than life itself. And so that kind of brings us uh, to today. Now, uh, part of that is we we talked about last week how, you know, that son finally got to a point where he was desperate and he had nowhere else to turn. And uh, so he turned to his father. And if you ever get to the place where you're desperate, Uh, you have a place to turn, and it's to our loving Heavenly Father, because God is love. Now, as a part of that, we, you know, I told you a little story that, uh, you know, about when I had gotten desperate, and and, uh, Labor Day weekend, I lost my keys at Slitterbond, and, you know, for a couple of you, the most memorable thing about that sermon was was what happened to my keys, because a couple of people came up to me after the service and said, you didn't tell us what happened to the keys. In fact, somebody came to me in the reception and said, what happened to the keys? Well, let me just tell you what happened to the keys. So finish the story. If you weren't here, it, it, this makes no sense. But I was at Schlitterbahn, lost my keys, uh, make a long story short, filled out a card, left, you know, paid big money, got new keys and all that stuff. Well, that Friday, I met up at A&M for the football, went up for the Florida A&M game, and I got a phone call, and they said, this is so-and-so from Schlitterbahn, and we have found your keys, Mr. Phillips, and we'd like to... Um, verify your address and so I verified my address and they mailed them away and I just want to tell you here's my keys <laughs> freshly baptized <laughs> you you know you got you're too baptist when you baptize your keys you you know that so uh, but I mean, God is good. You know, I, I got them back. I, I told Barbara, I said, before you give me a whole new keys to all the church, just wait. I may get them back. And God is good, and he was good, and he provided my keys. And, 
And, uh, you know, what, probably all of us have had an experience like that. When something happened and we got a little bit desperate and we just cried out and said, you know, God, I really need you to help me out here. And God came through. And when God came through, you probably thought or you might have even said, you may have even shared with someone, man, God's good. Because God is good. Maybe you had an opportunity this week to sit around the, the table at Thanksgiving with some family, uh, some friends, or both. And share a meal together and just reflect on the goodness of God. If you didn't have that opportunity, I, I hope that you can soon because God has uh, he's been tremendously good to us. We were privileged to be able to go up to Nebraska to my little sisters. And all of my family came in from Florida and Texas and, and Iowa and Nebraska and even a nephew from Colorado. We all gathered there in a little place in Nebraska and shared a meal together and shared some memories together. And uh, when you get to do that, you just, you're just reminded that we have a good God, and He is good to us. And so uh, we want to talk about that issue this morning, the subject or the quality or characteristic that God is good, um, because He is. But what I want to ask you this morning is, what about, what about when you don't get your keys back? Or, or what about... When a biopsy comes back and it's malignant or uh, an ultrasound of the pregnancy shows no heartbeat, what if if your spouse says, I'm finished, and they leave? Or or what if your parents say, you know, as a child, we're done, we're getting a divorce? What about that? What if if you lose your job? What What if you didn't have an opportunity? What if because things happened in your family, you didn't get to sit around the table this week and and share with family and friends a Thanksgiving meal. Is is God still good? I mean, the question I want us to wrestle with this morning, uh, not just that God is good, but but when, when circumstances are bad, is God still good? And that's a fair question. Because people on the outside looking in that have not yet crossed over the line from unbelief to belief. Sometimes they look in Scripture and say, is God really good? And so I want us to to wrestle with that subject this morning and uh, this idea that, that God is good because I want to tell you, He is. God is good all the time, as the old saying goes, and all, all the time God is good. The psalmist wrote in 107.1, he says, he says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And so we want to talk about God's goodness. I've chosen a text in Exodus 34 that I want to read for you. And then uh, I think it's a great picture of the goodness of God. Because it, it goes past what we think good is. And so why don't you stand with me. We're going to honor the Lord's word and read it together. Exodus 34, beginning... Well, let me just start in verse 4 because it's the beginning of a paragraph. Uh, it may not come up on the screen, but, but anyway, verse 4 says, So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones. He went up on Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him, and he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord is the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, 
abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generations. Shall we pray together? Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus, we bow our hearts before you. God, we ask you to open your word to us that we might indeed see. God, it's easy to see that you're good when things are good. It's easy to see that you're good when we're blessed, and we, many of us, most of us are. God, it's easy to see that you're good when things go our way. But God, help us to know that you're always good because it's part of your character. And your character does not allow you to be anything but good because you're holy and you're perfect in all your ways. But Father, for the person or maybe the family that's here this morning who looks at their circumstances and they're, they're not good, they're bad. God, I pray that you would help them to see that you're an awesome and amazing God. And even in the height of our pain, and even in the depths of our difficulty, God, you're faithful because you're good. So show us yourself in your word is my prayer. And Father, I ask it in the strong name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Now, I want to kind of take this text apart, but really, before I do, I kind of need to, to set it up for you or kind of explain it to you because uh, what's happened here is, as you probably figured out from the reading, uh, you know, Moses, God had written on the first two tablets the commandments, and, and when Moses came down the mountain, Israel was in the midst of sin and rebellion, and he threw them down, and they broke, and, and you know, as things transpired, Moses goes back on the mountain, and he spends time with God. And, and we kind of get to this point. But really to help us understand what, what's going on here, I want you to look up with me to chapter 33 because there's a really important verse that really unlocks what we just read. And that is verse 19. Moses had, in verse 18, Moses said, Now show me your glory. And here's how, here's how God responded. Verse 19 of Exodus 33. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. Very significant statement. I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. Now, when we read that passage uh, that we read together in that context, when God came to Moses and said, I am the Lord, he proclaimed that he's the Lord. And then when he calls those, when, when he passed before him and he, uh, identified those qualities, those are the goodness of God. And so as, as we think, we tend to think about, well, God, God's good if he gives me good things. God's good if I have good stuff. And that's true. But God's goodness is not simply what he gives. God's goodness is who he is, his character. And so he defines that for Moses. He says, Moses, I'm going to cause all my good to pass before you. I want you to go down the mountain. I want you to make two new stone tablets. Then you come back up here in the morning. And when you come, I'm going to proclaim my name, the Lord. And I'm going to cause all my goodness to pass before you. And when Moses got back up there with the tablets, God showed up. And he, and he passed before him and he said, I am gracious and merciful. I am slow to anger. 
I abound with steadfast love and faithfulness. And I'm faithful to the thousandth generation. And so what he's doing is he's identifying some characteristics. He says, the reason I'm good, what reflects my goodness, even when circumstances are bad, you can know that I'm good because of who I am. And so let's look at what those qualities or those characteristics are. I want to share um, probably four today out of this passage. We know that even if things are bad, we know God's good, first of all, because he is gracious. Look there in verse 6. Of, our, of the passage we read. It says, And he passed in front of Moses, he being God, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. Some translations use the term merciful. Our perfect God is perhaps above all a gracious and merciful God. Grace and mercy have to be his greatest gifts to us. They have to be. Uh, first of all, let's just talk about him in two parts because he's compassionate and gracious. Or we, again, we might use the term merciful. God's mercy means we don't get what we deserve. Mercy means we don't get what we deserve. We don't get justice. We get mercy. And friend, we need, we need mercy, not justice. I remember reading this story a young lady was walking through the park. Evidently, it was in New York. But she used to go through the park. And one day, as she walked through the park, there was a photographer. And she thought, well, I'll just go over and have my picture made. So she went over, and she had her picture made. And it's kind of interesting. It's an old story because they had a Polaroid. And uh, most of you remember what a Polaroid is. But she got the Polaroid picture, and, and she walked on through the park. And she got to the edge of the park, and she looked down, and, and, and she just kind of looked at her picture and she went back and she said, uh, photographer, this, this picture is not, this, is, this isn't right. This isn't right. This picture didn't do me justice. And the photographer looked at the picture and looked at her and he said, you don't need justice. You need mercy. <laughs> you know, we don't need justice. We need mercy. Because here's what happens. A lot of us, we look at our life and we think, I look pretty good. I'm pretty good. I'm okay. But we don't need justice because we're not good. We need mercy. And God gives us mercy. He's compassionate. But a part of that, not only is He compassionate, the other half of that equation is that our God is gracious. And see, while mercy means we don't get what we do deserve, grace means we get something we don't deserve. Now, there's two kinds of grace. J.I. Packer points this out in his book, and he's one of many that would say this. There, there's kind of two aspects of grace, and in, in, at least in this context. First of all, there's what we would call common grace. Common grace are things like the creation, the created order, and the blessings of life. Everyone benefits from common grace. Matter of fact, Jesus said in Matthew 5, I think it's in verse 45, he talks about how... how uh, the sun shines on the good and the wicked. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. And, and so the point being, there's just some common grace that everybody benefits from. Uh, a great example of that is if, if you're born in America, you're just, all of us who are born here, we just have some grace that everybody experiences, whether they know God or, or don't, whether they believe in God or they don't, 
whether they're good or they're not, it doesn't matter. There's just some common things. It's just what, what the Bible calls or what we would call common grace that everybody benefits from. But then there's also, scripturally, there's also special grace. And, and I don't know that why we would choose the term special except to say that, that not everybody enjoys or experiences special grace. Special grace is, uh, deals with that, the economy of salvation, if you will, that the saving grace that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. It is special grace. Not everyone benefits from that. Now, everyone can benefit from that, but not everyone does. See, the Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So while everyone benefits from common grace, not everyone experiences special grace because not everyone's willing to experience it. And yet we serve a God who is so wonderfully, mercifully gracious that he freely offers salvation to all who believe. No matter where one has been, no matter what one has done, God says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so, so we would say God is good even if circumstances look bad. God is good, first of all, because he is gracious. He is gracious. But secondly, not only is he gracious, but look in our passage there. He is also patient because it says again in verse 6 as we pick up there, it says, and I don't know where I went to, but there, there we go. But it talks about God being slow to anger. Slow to anger, which we would say is patient. Now, we tend to not be slow to anger or slow to get frustrated. We tend to be impatient, wouldn't you say? Uh, We were uh, on the way back from Nebraska Friday, and we decided to divide it to break the trip up a little bit. Stopped at the uh, National Cowboy Museum and... Uh, expose whatever it is in Oklahoma City, really neat place. And we're going through looking at the stuff, and there's a there's a little boy about I don't know two or three. And I, I think it may have been the dad and the grandma. I'm not really sure, but uh, you know when you go to a place like that, you kind of start walking through with people. You know how you just kind of you just keep bumping into them. You know, right? Has that ever happened to you? Well, we keep bumping into them, and the little boy about 15 minutes in, I guess we've been there about 15 minutes, has a little meltdown. Just a little meltdown. But he kept melting down. And the grandma or whoever was trying to control him and the dad is just reading and I'm thinking, you know, and, that, and that's, you know, that happens. It's just a kid. But then you run into him again and he's still melting. And I mean, this, I'm, I'm not making this up. I'm telling you, this is 10 or 15 minutes. I'm just thinking he is screaming for a spanking, dad. You need to help him out. He's asking. You know, but I, it's so weird, you know, but I'm, I'm not patient. I'm thinking, you need to deal with this. I, I'm trying to enjoy the experience. Because we tend to be impatient. But not God. God is so patient with us. Now, we don't often realize that. A lot of times we think, well, you know, God doesn't work that way. But when you study the scriptures, when you look at how God treats you and me and how God deals with us and and how God is gracious to us and merciful to us, he is so patient. 
I mean, you see that all through the scriptures. You know, it, it, it's kind of hard because I'm reading through Ezekiel right now, and I'm telling you, God's just telling them, "Listen, if you don't if you don't straighten up, I'm going to bust your tail." So He's saying. But a lot of people look at that. They read the Old Testament. They say, "How can you say God is good when He says that?" Or, or they look over in the book of uh, Genesis at maybe the. Uh, they look at the flood when God flooded the earth and they say, you know, how can you say God is good if God flooded the whole earth and killed everybody except Noah and his wife and his three sons and their wives? How can you say that God is good? People look at that and they say, you, you, it's impossible to say God is good. But when you look at that story, for 120 years, Noah, who Second Peter says was a preacher of righteousness, Noah proclaimed the gospel for 120 years. Tony Evans talks about it in his book on, on Our God is Awesome. And he says, you know, it's just, Noah just kept preaching. He'd go to town. He'd say, it's going to rain. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. So he'd, he probably printed up tracks and handed them out. Said, just said four things. He said, it's going to rain. He said, he kept proclaiming. And for 120, for 120 years, People had an opportunity to repent. They had an opportunity to return to God. Because Noah, a preacher of righteousness, building this ark uh, on dry ground, they'd never seen rain, didn't know what it was. And and Tony Evans is right. I understand you can listen to a preacher for 120 years and still not believe it. I I understand that. I get that. Okay? But but his, his argument is this. When the giraffes start lining up, when the anteaters and the rhinoceroses start showing up two by two, you ought to know it's going to rain. You may not believe the preacher, but you ought to believe the evidence. But for for all this time period, sure, did God execute judgment? Absolutely. But after great patience, See, God is loving and good because He's patient. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9, you, you know this verse, you've probably heard this verse, or at least we should know this verse. It says that the Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. See, God is, God is good because God's patient. How often He's been patient with us. You know, how often He's forgiven us for the same dumb thing that we've done before. See, He's patient. God's good because He's patient. God's good because He's gracious. But also, if we continue to read in our text, we'll find out God's good because He's faithful. Notice there in verse 6, it says, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. The idea is that when you think about uh, this steadfast love, what what that means is loyal love. Now, we live there's not a lot of loyalty in our day, but God's love is loyal. That's what steadfast love is. Steadfast love is loyal love. That means it is it is faithful, unchanging love that lasts and lasts and lasts and lasts and lasts. 
And God's love is like that. Why? Because he's faithful. See, when we think about God being faithful, we think about faithfulness is when God keeps his promise. When God does what he says he'll do. See, see, part of God's faithfulness, a lot of people get worked up because God brings about judgment. Well, God wouldn't be faithful if he didn't bring about judgment. If God promises that it's going to rain and it doesn't rain, God wouldn't be faithful. If God promises that if, if you reject me, if you choose to deny me and reject me, I'm going to punish you, and then God doesn't come through, he's not faithful. But he is faithful. He's always faithful. He's faithful to keep his promises. He's faithful to take care of you. He's faithful to deliver you and me and, and, and do everything he said in his word that he'll do. In fact, the Bible says in uh, 2 Timothy 2, it says, even if we become faithless, God will remain faithful because he cannot deny himself. This morning, I want to introduce you to Rosario Davis. I've invited her to come. Rosario, if you'll come on to the platform. She is going to share her personal story of how a good God has been faithful to her uh, in, in revealing himself. So would you welcome Rosario to the platform this morning? Oh, we got an extra there, dueling microphones. All right, well, tell us your story. Good morning, everybody. It's a real blessing to share about God's faithfulness with you this morning, about the story of my own salvation and the salvation of my family. Uh, serving the Lord is an experience in faithfulness. And my my own family, my immediate family and my ancestors are testimony to the absolute fact of his faithfulness. Um, the salvation story in my family began, as far as I know, with my grandmother, Anselma Ramirez, who uh, was a mother of 15 children. Uh, she and my grandfather were sharecropping in Creedmoor, Texas, and then they moved on to San Angelo in the 40s or 50s, sometime around then. And what I know is that my grandmother somehow met a pastor, and he shared the message of Christ with her, and she and my oldest aunt, Barbara, became powerfully saved. And they were filled with a spirit of worship and, and thankfulness and service. And soon all of their family members, that's a lot of family, began serving the Lord and praising him. And they were, they were just a strong family of uh, service. And um, even my own father... He began to even also to share messages to, to preach the gospel in the church, in the house of God. And then uh, he went on to the Korean War. You can tell how long ago this was. Um, he went on to the Korean War and returned home to find his first marriage in shambles. Uh, it was pretty tragic. His wife had been unfaithful to him. And he was brokenhearted and i i think i believe that he held he held in his heart that against god and then sometime around after his marriage had broken up 
another terrible tragedy happened, and that was that my grandmother, who was beloved to so many, uh, was killed, hit and struck and killed by a city bus in San Angelo. And the family, of course, was devastated. So they were they were enduring a lot of pain. So I, I never met my grandmother. This happened in the early 1960s. And um, so the family was devastated. Uh, but one thing that I learned uh, much later was that people came to that funeral that didn't even know the rest of the family. Uh, they They went up to the family members and they said, your mother shared the Lord with us. And so it, it, she had a powerful testimony. But time went on and my dad finally met my mother. And the family fell in absolute love with her. They were enraptured. They were so happy about uh, something good happening in, in my dad's life. And he was thrilled and everything. And so they started a life together. And as a result of that, my mother heard the message of Christ. And uh, before then, you know, she she was a devout Catholic. She was observant, but she didn't really know Jesus until she encountered this family. And she was then saved, and she began to serve him and rejoice in him. And my mom's family was a little bit wary of that they they were concerned about her conversion but you know when she learned who jesus was and how beautiful the message of salvation was she didn't debate anything she just served him wholeheartedly and she became also a woman of prayer of love and just she has so much peace uh, people just really love to be around her. And she'll be here some sometime. You'll meet her, and you'll be able to see that. And I just praise God about uh, the beautiful love that he's placed in her heart. But, again, uh, my parents' marriage fell apart. And, essentially, the, the, you know, I've watched as a child the crumbling of their marriage. And it became so bad that we were basically abandoned by my father, and um, my mother didn't. My mother didn't even have passed an eighth grade education. She didn't know how to write a check. She didn't know how to drive a car. I, I was the oldest child. I, I helped her with as much as I could. Um, but my mom, during all those years, uh, really a personal devastation. We, we had nothing. So we were basically, we were on welfare, we were on food stamps, we were on housing assistance, just barely managing through. But I observed my mother cling to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the, the peace and the encouragement that he gave her through those devastating times, she, she loved my father. This was a deep tragedy. For her, she told me that she that what helped her is that she would grab onto the word of God and she would cry every night. But she would hold that word of God and she just knew that God would see her through these times. And uh, and I I paid attention to that. I I observed that and I could see that God was faithful. He was bringing us through a very terrible time. And um, church members would 
would drop by. They would suddenly there would be a bag of groceries on our table. We we would have rides to church. We we never even missed church because there was always somebody there to support us. There was always someone there to encourage us. There were brothers and sisters in the church. They would lay hands on us and they would pray for us. I knew that people were praying for me, for me as a young person. And I, I knew that God's spirit was there drawing us through that time. I, I just absolutely knew it. And, and during that, all of that, I could have been so brokenhearted at the loss of my dad. I could have uh, taken a lot of directions, but the, the supporting faithfulness of Christ held us together and helped me so that I have not turned from him. I, I gave my heart to him many years ago as, as a 12-year-old in 1976. And uh, ever since then, he, he's been so faithful to me. My, my trust in him has become so strong because of how he's led me through all of those things. He's, he's given us, my mother, the desires of her heart, her three children, she observed, grow up, go to university, get good jobs, start families and homes, do things she never thought. This was a simple country girl. She just never thought that, that all of these good things would happen. Uh, but they did. And uh, praise God for all of those things. And, and um, so today, my, my grandmother's family, they are still serving the Lord. They are um, some of the greatest Christians that I have ever known are um, in my family. My mother also, the Lord is faithful to her. She never remarried, but she's, she's, she's known the peace of God. She's known the faithful, faithfulness of God, and she's living today out on, on her dad's property that he um, went to also in the 40s. She's, she's still on that property, and she owns it free and clear. That's a lot for, for a lady who had nothing. Um, she's, she's out there, and I, and I just I praise God for that for her security and for her home. And um, and as for me, for the rest of my life up to now, I've, I've known nothing but faithfulness from the Lord, even into the most terrible times that I've experienced when, when the doctor told me about my husband, Joe, it's cancer and, and it's malignant. Um, during that time, I, I felt, I really felt like a butterfly pinned to a to some kind of a board where I couldn't move I couldn't do anything but at the same time I knew that the Lord was faithful and that it was all in his control and I just felt that I could let go and let him take that on and um and and he did and and I've been even during those troubled times where Joe is in chemotherapy and radiation and all those days the Lord is, is with me. I know that he is, and he's with my family. I can trust him, and it's, it's something that I rejoice to tell people. I'm so thankful about all of those things happening in my life, and it's a, I feel that it's a legacy to be thankful for. And I hope that, that you will also see and, and enjoy that trust that you can have in the Lord and, and see the faithfulness that he has in your life. And um, I just wanted to share the scripture from the, uh, the book of Psalms because I, I'm just so happy about what God's done in my, my family. 
Psalm 910 says, Those who know your name will trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. I found that to be so true. And Psalm 22.4 says, it's very familiar for you. It says, in you our fathers put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. And I hope you will trust him today also. All right, thank you, Rosario. See, he is faithful. He is patient. He is gracious. And because he's all of that, he shared with Moses that he's forgiving. He is forgiving. He said to Moses, to the thousandth generation, I will forgive your iniquity, your rebellion, and your sin. If you know him, if you know him, he is faithful and gracious and patient, and he will see you through. Do you know him today? Not about him, but do you know, have you experienced the goodness of a gracious, patient, faithful, forgiving God? If you do, you should be filled with worship and thanksgiving during this season, during every season. But if you don't, wouldn't you want to give your life to someone who's gracious and patient and faithful and forgives every sin? Wouldn't you want to do that? Why not give him your life today? Let's bow together. Father, I know in the auditorium there are many who are believers. And we've experienced your grace and your patience. And we know you're faithful. God, we're here because you're forgiving. God, may we be drawn to worship. May we be filled with a thankful heart. May we rejoice today in you. But Father, I also know in the auditorium, in the room... In a room this size, there's some men, some women, perhaps some young people. They know about you. But Father, they don't yet know you. They've not experienced the grace, the forgiveness that comes in knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. And Father, my prayer is that in these moments, in this very moment, they would choose to cross over the line from unbelief believe that they would decide today I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior I want to know grace I want to know I want to know love I want to know forgiveness and it can be had in Jesus Christ so if you've never given your life to Christ I would encourage you to do that today you can surrender your life to Christ through a simple heartfelt commitment by praying and telling him that you want to surrender your life to him. If you'd like to do that, I invite you to pray this prayer along with me. Again, it's not the words we say, it's the surrender of our heart. But you can say to him, Lord Jesus, today I realize you're patient, you're gracious, you're faithful, 
that you're forgiving. And so today, Lord Jesus, I confess my sin to you. I ask you to come into my life to forgive my sin and to give me a brand new start. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming into my life. Friend, the Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The God that Rosario, Rosario shared about, the faithful, forgiving, gracious God, the scripture talks about is yours for the asking. Would you give your life to him today? Father, I, as we close out this morning, I would just ask you in the name of our Lord Jesus to draw our hearts to yourself. God, for many of us who believe that we would be drawn to say thank you, that we'd be drawn to worship, that we would bow before you and say, God, thank you for being so good. For those who may have yet to decide, Father, I would just ask you that today would be the day that they would surrender to Jesus, that they would want to experience the goodness of God, because you're good all the time. Lord, even when things are bad, you're good, because you're gracious, you're loving, you're patient faithful and you're forgiving. We love you, Lord Jesus. We honor you and we bless you and we give you glory now for it's in your name I pray.